Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm standing in for Kathy Kaler today on Discam Medical Monday. And my guest is Dr. Uh, Shabir Jeeva. He was with uh, Kathy last on the 18th of the 3rd um, of last month. And I would suggest that you listen to that podcast if you can, because it was uh, mainly about children with ADHD and incredibly interesting. And at the same time, you can listen to some of his other YouTubes as well. Now, Dr. Shabir Jeeva specializes in ADHD in children and adults. He was born in South Africa. He attended medical school at the Royal College of Surgeons in Dublin, Ireland. And then he did a psychiatry residency at the University of Ottawa in Canada. And you were away for many years, Dr. Jeeva. How long were you away for? <clears throat> Thank you. Good, good day. Uh, I was away for 25 years, uh, mainly in the Toronto area, where I practiced a child and adult psychiatrist. And my interest started there on ADHD. So your you, your speciality is ADHD in children and adults. Yeah, throughout the life cycle. Throughout the life cycle. And I see that you have a, a Center for Advanced Medicine in Waverley. Is that right? Yes, yes, dear. Now just tell me a bit about that advanced uh, center. What what does it consist of? Well, uh, it's, an AD, uh, it's called the ADHD Clinic. And uh, we have myself who does all the comorbidities, the psychiatric conditions like depression, anxiety, substance abuse, and bipolar. Then it's a holistic. There is it's a holistic treatment mode. So we have an ADHD coach that helps patients with skills like time management, organization, procrastination, financial management. Then we have a cross refer to a dietitian, and then <clears throat> we have for psychoeducational testing we send them to psychologists, and then we have other uh, psychologists that we refer there's any adult problems so there's a total package and um, majority of the patients uh, if they have this as I said, there are three kinds of ADHD so if they have the inattentive type they would have problems with skills more the, uh, less with problems with behavior so they would need the coach more as they get older because these patients in university and adulthood will have problems as I said time management organization procrastination financial management and uh, Hallowell says pills uh, does not teach you skills and the skills does not help you focus so you need both the pills and the coach you need the skills to Together. And some might need more skills and some might need more focusing and medication. And that's the direction we go. So it's a very holistic <coughs> approach that you're actually dealing with there. Yeah, every patient is different. And uh, we usually get uh, referrals from schools or uh, <coughs> in adults, different kind of referrals. We'll spend a lot of time today. 90% of the adults are not diagnosed and treated. So I have a strong passion about wanting to find out where are all these adults. I mean, they exist, but they're not, 90% are not diagnosed and treated. Whereas 70% of the kids are diagnosed and treated, 30% are not. So we're having better tools. The, in, the prevalence of ADHD in children is 9 to 11% and 6 to, uh, 60 to 70% go to adulthood. So the world statistics of ADHD in adults is 5 to 6%. So how come we're only treating 10%? What went wrong? Where, where's the other 90%? So What is your theory on that? What did go wrong? <coughs> where do you find them? 
Well, uh, we have a long theory, but I thought before uh, for the for the listeners before we go into that, I just want to tell them what are some of the questions we how do we diagnose ADHD? There's a World Health Organization rating scale a screener, and the first one says how often do you have trouble wrapping up the final details of a project once the challenging, exciting parts are done. So when you get to the boring parts like filing and paperwork and registering a car after a deal is done, do you have difficulty with that? So that's the first question. Second one is there are six questions. You need four out of six to cursory qualify for adult ADHD. The second one is, <clears throat> excuse me, how often do you have difficulty getting things in order when you have to do a task that requires organization? Now, this is what we call in Afrikaans the dear makar question. Right. If the spouse is complaining <laughs> that you're dear makar, then that's, that's, that's a hint. It doesn't mean if you're successful and you, uh, that you're supposed to be makar or if you're dear makar, you can't be ADHD. <laughs> okay, the third one is <clears throat> how often do you have problems remembering appointments or obligations? Now, today we've got cell phones and we've got laptops and also people are putting all these things and that's called compensation. And so you check out during high school and university, did they have problems with appointments and obligations? Did they miss their appointments? Are they constantly late? Are they tardy? Do they still forget it or do their uh, wife have to remind them or the secretary have to remind them? If they have a wife or secretary or mom or slave or servant who reminds them all these things to be like uh, uh, co-helping them, that is still compensation and this is that is still they having difficulty although they're successful so they have put in some mechanism of compensation the next one is when you have a task that requires a lot of thought how often do you avoid or delay getting started now in simple language that's procrastination and that is the hallmark of ADHD procrastination organization time management pot just remember that or if you want to go the other way top Time management organization, procrastination. Because when we're on the board, we've got pot on our slides and the uh, adolescents usually pick up the pot. No, I want that pot. <laughs> but that's not the same pot. <laughs> okay, so those are four out of the six symptoms and they are low energy symptoms, right? The next two are high energy symptoms because there's three types of ADHD. We'll go into it in a second. The number five is how often do you fidget or squirm with your hands or feet when you have to sit down for a long time? Now, you can easily see that in the evenings when the dad He's watching TV, he's got his laptop, he's got the TV on, he's got his cell phone, he's got his coffee there, he's got his sweets there, whatever he's having. So there's multitasking, but the problem with multitasking, it is one of the signs of ADHD, but the thing is, can you do the things you're doing well uh, within a short space of time if you multitask? No, you can't. As you get older, it becomes harder and harder, you tend to forget more. So how often do you fidget and squirm with your hands or feet when you have to sit down for a long time? You can see this in, uh, of course, the kids, you don't have to worry because everybody can can notice it. The inattentive types, as I said, you'll miss it. The last question before we go into the three types is how often do you feel overly active and compelled to do things as you were as you were driven by a motor? That means you are on the go, boom, 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 going all the time. <clears throat> so there are three kinds of ADHD. The old-fashioned ADD is called ADHD inattentive type. We don't use the word ADD anymore. So it's ADHD inattentive type. That's low energy. So from these six symptoms, you should have four out of six, and you'll have majority of the inattentive type on top. Then the second one <clears throat> that everybody, and that's about 64% of the kids, the second one is a hyperactive impulsive type. Uh, I mean, the, uh, the the second one is a hyperactive impulsive type. It's the very active one that everybody knows and everybody thinks you've got to be active and everybody thinks that you've got to be flying around. And they that's only 13 to 14% of the kids. So it's not the majority. 
The majority is the combination of the active one and the inter, in, inattentive one. It's called combined type. That's 64% of the kids. So mm. 64% are the combined type. So when you think about ADHD, don't think about activity. Think about the other things. The active ones and the flying around ones are easy to diagnose. The ones that are inattentive are usually misdiagnosed. Now, what happens? So those are the three kinds. So what happens with age? The hyperactivity, impulsivity gets less towards adolescence and early uh, 20s or towards uh, universe, matric and first year university. The hyperactivity, impulsivity gets less with age, so they get in trouble at school. The impulsivity also gets less, as I said, both are age, hyperactive and impulsivity, both get less. The active elements get less. But the inattention, the dreamy part gets worse at matric or first year university, and they crash in first year university. So what's the inattention? Time management, organization, procrastination, financial management, and even it ends up in anxiety and depression. So the soft science that most doctors miss gets worse after matric or first year university. The very... Uh, signs that everybody notices gets less and less, but they get in trouble at school, say, from the age of, when they start school, six years to uh, matric, 17, 18. So first year university, 40% of the first year university dropouts are ADHD, which the university doesn't know and the patients don't know, and we can get special accommodations for them. So we treat them earlier, we apply for more time, we apply for uh, wavering, uh, waiving um, uh, exams and subs and things and there's a lot of help for them in the special accommodation and even through the degree that SARS has made ADHD a disability so you can claim all your expenses uh, medication uh, coaching, uh, gymming books, conferences, whatever you're spending uh, petrol if you're far away all these expenses, it's an official disability that you should claim and you can go back three years back into your uh, if you haven't claimed before, up to two I'm years. sure most parents actually don't know that, or, or adults who yes. have it, quite honestly. You know, I need to say here, uh, Dr. Jeeva, that I'm sure we've got some questions coming in. And um, if you could SMS us on 34519, or you can um, uh, do the studio number 010140300. Um, or you can WhatsApp us on 061-895-1019. Now, can I just become a bit more personal here for one moment? No problem. Could you tell me what actually got you interested in this subject yourself? Well, I was training as a child psychiatrist in Canada, and most of the kids that I was treating, I said, they were just like me. So how come nobody did anything to me? But I was quite okay at school. I did very well. I was first all the time, but I hated, hated reading, and I loved running and jumping, and I was always first in athletics and all that stuff. And as I looked at it more and more that I had difficulty with English, and I used to get 49%. And uh, I grew up in Gauteng area and I went to school in Natal. And because I was in Natal in a different area, I thought because I grew up in Afrikaans area and suddenly I was doing more English, that's why I didn't do well. And I would get 49% in in English and they'd pass me at 50 or 51%. Uh, <laughs> but the other subjects, I'd get 90s and all that, so it would balance it out. But actually, it's got, it had nothing to do with Afrikaans and English and Gauteng and Natal. It had to do with part of my learning difficulty because I didn't like to read and I didn't, and I didn't feel like reading unless there was a gun to my head or there was a deadline tomorrow morning I got an exam I had to do it and I'd, I'd learn it and basically as a child ADHD we have photographic memories so it was like parrot fashion we just learn it and give it back and pass but as you get into higher
higher standards, seven, eight, nine, ten, those days were standard. It became harder and harder. And in university, suddenly you got three books. You can't buy heart and you got one essay to write or three books. How do you buy heart three books in five days and write an essay so that you can see the wheels fall off and then they crash? So initially in primary school, you could use... Um, uh, by hearting it or, uh, or learning by rote and as Muslims we'd by heart the Quran and things like that so it was very easy for us to by heart anything that's the way uh, you were taught that, yeah that's the way you're taught but then you have to apply yourself in seven, nine, ten, and university and then the it became harder and harder. Now, you know, the strange thing was when I was doing some research into this, when uh, when I was asked to do this Medical Monday show today with you, um, I started, it's like when you start medicine or when you start anything to do psychology or whatever, you know, they warn you, you're going to have all the symptoms. Well, I, I must admit, I recognized myself in just about everything that I was reading and I recognized most of my family as well. Um, so... One of the questions that came through about the, with the children last week was um, genetically, actually. How, how much of ADHD is genetic? Okay, 82% is genetic. So genetic is the main cause. It usually comes from the mother or the father. It com comes from either side. If one parent has ADHD, 50% of the kids would uh, have uh, ADHD. Or if one child has ADHD, maybe half the kids will have ADHD. If both parents uh, have ADHD, then maybe uh, uh, higher, about 75% would have ADHD. So genetic is highly important. So whenever we see a child and we diagnose a child, and then at the end of the diagnosis, we have to to tell the kids now that you have ADHD and the parents are sitting there and they don't want to listen to this because they're high-functioning, affluent parents. So how do you tell the parents? And, of course, most of the kids like cars. So Hallowell taught me, he says, they are Ferrari brains and bicycle brakes. So we asked the guys, well, we are here in Melrosato in this area, a lot of Ferraris here. Your brain is like a Ferrari. <laughs> Your brakes are pop. I'm a brake specialist, so I want to put in new brakes. What do you say? Would you consider that? Of course, before he considers that, you've got to show him that what's happening at school. He's losing friends, the teacher giving him a hard time, the friends are giving him a hard time, the parents are getting a hard time. So that's why I said we can change all of that. So many people, many children and adults have the, ops, uh, have the ADHD traits because that's the way our life is today. We, we are, if you're active, you're workaholics, you overschedule yourself, you're constantly active and you're Talking too much is a new symptom of hyperactivity in ADHD, especially in girls. Then the impulsive ones, are they get very angry, they have a temper, they quit their job, they quit their relationships, they fire their boss, they fire their wives and girlfriends, they drive too fast, they have addictive personalities. You, you've heard all of this before. Mm -hmm. And lastly, the Drumara Khawan have difficulty paying attention, they have problems in meetings and reading, and there's what we call excuse me, paralyzing procrastination, so time management organization and financial. I mean, these are symptoms, but many people have these traits. doesn't mean you necessarily have ADHD. So when these traits cause impairment in two or three areas, so in a, in a child and in an adult separately, in a child, if it affects your schoolwork, and that's where you'll get the complaint first from the teachers that, the child is not doing well. Secondly, if there's complaints that he doesn't have friends because socially they're fighting, the boys don't like him. If he's high energy, combined or active type, they're very bossy, they're very demanding, they decide what movie they want to see, what food they want to eat, where, where they want to go, so the other kids don't like them. If they're inattentive, they're flat and innocuous and uh, innocuous and inverted commas useless, so the other kids don't want to play with them because they're quiet, they're not contributing anything, so they want a mixture of both, so it causes a problem in friends, they have very few friends. So if there's a 
problem at school, I mentioned, if the problem socially, and la- lastly, if there's problems at home, constantly petering and fighting with your siblings, fighting with them and starting a fight, and then another sibling hits you, then suddenly you blame the other child. So if there's impairment in two out of three of these areas, then you have to treat. Similarly, if you cross over to adults, in adults, if there's impair, uh, we have all the traits that I read to you fast. If you have these traits and it, imp- it affects your work life, if you're fighting with your boss or he's about, you're about to fire him, or you're having multiple uh, relationships, marriages, divorce, and fighting with your spouse, partner, wife. And lastly, in the community, you're not very popular because you do your own thing and you think out of the box and you're very demanding and difficult. So if there's ima- impairment in one, in one to two of, out of three of these areas, then you have to treat. The traits, Hallowell says we are living an ADHD lifestyle. We are all ADHD. Mm-hmm. But when there's impairment, then you have to treat. When there's a problem, you have to treat. Now, Dr. Jeeva is mentioning uh, Dr. Hallowell. He's Ned Hallowell. If you want to look him up, his uh, YouTubes are also very interesting. And he wrote a book, Crazy, uh, what was it? Crazy, Stupid. Uh, he, uh, Driven to Distraction and Delivered from Distraction are his, two, his last good book. Delivered from Distraction is the best book to read. He's written 19 books and we did some training under him. And Driven to Distraction was his initial book, then Delivered from Distraction. And it's all uh, on the website, on my and website. this is for adults, ADHD for adults. Yes. Understanding the disorder and learn ways to help yourself. Yeah. Well, it's amazing how uh, you and he have both turned your wounds into your wisdom with what you bring forward here. I just wanted, this came through to me, it's about children inherit their intelligence from their mother, not their father. I want to know what you think of this. A mother's genetics determine how clever her children are, according to researchers, and the father makes no difference. Women are more likely to transmit intelligent genes to their children because they are carried the on the X chromosome and women have two of these while men only have one. But in addition to this, scientists now believe that genes for advanced cognitive functions, which are inherited from the father, may be automatically deactivated. A category of genes known as conditioned genes are thought to work only if they come from the mother in some cases and the father in other cases. Intelligence is believed to be among the conditioned genes that have to come from the mother. This was in the independent newspaper. What is your opinion on that? I'm not an expert on intelligence and genes, and I don't think that's totally true, but if that is uh, true, it's great for the women. Uh, We needed something to boost uh, 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 direction towards women, because men are taking the front line, especially in South Africa, a lot. But that's great. It's exciting. I'll do some more work and reading on it, but I don't think it's totally true. From my practice, I've seen genes from either side, uh, Intelligence from either side, and uh, I have to pay more interest in uh, on the what you mentioned there. So I'll look into that, but I'm not an expert okay. in that. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Medical Monday, and I'm standing in for Kathy Taylor. And my guest today is Dr. Shabir Jeeva, who specialises in ADHD in children and adults, and runs a, a, a clinic in Waverley. And you can SMS us on 34519 or you can WhatsApp us on 061-895-1019. We'd love to hear from you. Just uh, shortly, we're going to actually be going through some questions that did come through already. But in the meantime, where are those 
adults that you were talking about that are, are suddenly missing, the, the 90% that have not been diagnosed. Yes, where are they? That's a, that's a dilemma because 90% are not diagnosed and treated and we have to find out where they are. Sorry, I was very fast in the first part. I forgot to take my medication this morning. <laughs> so I just zapped in two of them now and then I'll slow down. My Ferrari, I have to slow down. Okay. I, I have a quite a strong interest in that because I was fascinated that 90% are not diagnosed. They're not picked up. This is in adults. And where are they? Because these might be our brothers, our sisters, our our uh, our parents, our kids. Our spouse. Yes, very important spouse. So number one is university dropouts. As I said, 40% of university dropouts would have ADHD. So we've got to look at our, if we have a high good genes and all our family is doing well and our child was doing great in high school and in pre-university and suddenly is dropping out. So there's something to think about. Number two, the unemployed, inconsistently employed and underachieving. Hallowell calls it chronic, unexplained, underachievement. Chronic means lifelong. Unexplained is we do many things. We are not lazy. We are busy doing all sorts of things. But we are not achieving what we expected to achieve by ourselves or what we expected to achieve by society or by people around us. Are you then saying that what we're expected to achieve on our intellectual level? Yes. So or we, our... Okay. So we're not delivering it to ourselves. So we're not doing well in business or we're not doing well in our studies or we're not doing well in our relationship. We're underachieving. But the underachievement or the low self-esteem that comes from them in ADHD is different from the low self-esteem in non-ADHD. In ADHD, the low self-esteem is not poor me, I'm, going to, I'm hopeless, I'm helpless, I'm going to die. You're right, you asked me earlier, yeah, we have tinges of narcissism, we are slightly narcissistic. But the, under, the low self-esteem in ADHD is we are winners and against winning we are losing. That means we're not feeling as good as we're supposed to be or as we expected to be by ourselves or others. We are not losers. So like Tom Cruise, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, Richard Branson, all these are ADHD. And I asked Richard Branson, what medication is he taking? He said, well, I'm taking something. I'm not going to tell you today what I'm taking, but that's enough. It sorted me, it sorted me out at the discovery function. I asked him. And that's great. So at least the underachievement, that's where the coaches come in. When you feel you're not doing so well, when you have lifelong problems with relationships or with jobs or with study or with anything that you put your head to it, you're just not doing well. So that you have to think, why is it like that? I'm, I've got good genes. I've come from a good family of genes. My siblings are doing well. Why am I stuck? Why am I struggling? Then you have to look at ADHD because it's missed most of the time. Next, in Canada and even here, workmen's compensation claims many of these ADHD, 22% of, uh, um, uh, of them, uh, they don't uh, complete their month of work. So they, they, mean, uh, they miss many days of work. And when, they, when your staff or somebody is working with you is missing so many days, uh, up to 22 days a year, sorry, then you have to check for ADHD. And that is the average, uh, that is the average amount of days. Actually, ADHD is is generally in adults at an average diagnosed at 36. So that means these people have been successful in school, they've been successful in high school, they've even gone to university, they have a degree, and they've uh, been successful in their jobs and all that. And suddenly something happens in their life and they crash, they can't cope, like their wife's having a baby or they get a pro promotion to be the CEO or something happens, they're doing very well, and then they crash. So what's happening? So this is the ADHD that is usually missed. They don't have to be like the kids flying around or jumping around or getting into trouble. No. The, the activity, I told you, is that adult 
decreases. The impulsivity decreases. The inattention increases. So what is the inattention? You need, you need all these skills, time management, organization, procrastination, financial management. You need it for marriage or relationship. You need it for adult work and you need it for adult study university. So all these skills are ne- needed for these adult, it's called executive functions, how you manage your life. And all this is needed and th- we are lacking in that. We have problems with that and that's how we fail and things go down. So they, there is a accommodation and we have to help these young adults. And I see one of the things is uh, obviously social, um, inadequate social skills. Yes. And that they often leave jobs because of interpersonal relationships within the workplace that are not working. Yeah, in the workplace, two things. If they're high, if they're high energy or combined type, they fight with everybody, they tell everybody SHIT and they get angry and everything goes wrong and people don't like them. And if they're inattentive, they're very quiet, they sit in a corner, they don't take part in anything. So the staff don't like them so they either push out of the job or they they force out of the job if they are high energy and fighting with everybody and they confront if they're oppositional 70% of the ADAG kids develop what we call opposition defined disorder so they oppose their bosses they oppose, uh, oppose the HR department and they're very self-righteous the ADAG if somebody is doing somebody else something wrong they get in there and they want to sort it out even if it's not their business so of course they, they would so they're then, confrontational <laughs> they're very confrontational I see a question has come through um, hi, is there a link between ADHD and anxiety? Okay, a very everyday question. And <clears throat> okay, AD, <clears throat> sorry, ADHD untreated uh, develops other things. So in adults, it's called comorbidity or additional things. Fifteen percent will develop antisocial personality traits. We'll get them in jail and we we'll get them in 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 stealing and all that uh, hijacking, all the stuff. <clears throat> that's about 15%. Then another 10 to 15% will develop bipolar disorder, so they're cousins. 15% of uh, ADHD will uh, switch over to bipolar disorder, and about 25% of bipolar disorder sometime in their life will switch over to ADHD, so they're cousins. You have to know that. Then 35 to 40% will have anxiety or depression. So anxiety is a big part of ADHD, especially in adult women. Anxiety is the main presentation. And, Why women do you feel? Yeah, usually these uh, neurotic conditions are more common in females and the psychotic conditions are more common in males over the years. That when we did psychiatry, so all the neuroses are, are more in women and the psychotic conditions like bipolar and schizophrenia are more in men. And uh, So it's in the same extent. But m- women are more psychologically minded and they are more ready for treatment and looking into what's going wrong, whereas the men are macho. I don't want treatment. There's nothing wrong with me. Doctors talking nonsense. They only want to make money and things like that whereas women say no 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 I, I think I I can't sleep and I'm having difficulty and I must do something about it so anxiety is a big part the other thing is 35-40% are anxious and 40, 35-40% are depressed so depression and anxiety are the main presentation in adult and unfortunately 50-60% to 60% of the adult untreated presentation is substance abuse so chocolate, coffee, coke, Red Bull, drugs, alcohol, Tiger Woods, sex, any of these things that make you feel lacquer forms an addiction. Mm-hmm. And you have to watch it. If they persistently continue into that, then we have to see if there's ADHD or not. And I see with um, adolescents that there's quite a lot of cyber addiction. Oh, yeah. Cyber addiction is a big thing in the world. We were at a world conference in Seoul, South Korea, and 22% of the Korean kids have cell phones. And the Koreans are very upset about it because the two biggest problems in the world for childhood ADHD is bullying and cyber addiction. But that's secondly that the, that the Koreans were worried about the cyber addiction. 
But the Germans feel that it causes a condition called digital dementia. It fries the brain. So then you have to limit the amount of uh, PlayStation, Game Boy, cell phone, laptop, and all this TV and all these things you use. But uh, digital dementia is only one part of the scary part of the equation. But the Germans also feel it's irreversible. So that's really, really yeah, scary. And many parents are using the iPad and that as babysitting mm. uh, equipment. Yeah, yeah, take the uh, iPad and just do whatever you uh, you like so in North America in Canada uh, we, during the week they don't give them I, uh, iPad or cell phone on that and if they want it then they have to earn it they have to buy it from the parents it's okay if I clean my room mom can I get 30 minutes or if I get 10% extra marks can I get one hour they have to buy it during the week and during so the there's w- a responsibility yes, that comes uh, in uh, yes and then Saturday and Sunday they can give them three hours uh, on a Saturday three hours on Sunday and uh, uh, they, uh, then if they want more, they have to do something, either buy it from you, if the marks are better or something like that, but you have to control it. It's very difficult. There's an app. Uh, one of my patients told me last week, our pack, O-U-R-P-A-C-T, where the parents can download it and they can control the, the child's cell phone or iPad and control which programs should be censored and which programs, like sex programs or going on to things and things like that. They can control the time. They can control the type of programs they go on to, and they can also control uh, control uh, any violence or anything that they program they don't like. So you can control all this. So it's co- it's an app. I've never. I've just begun begin to uh, begun to use it. It's our pack. O U R P A C T. I'm quite excited about it because parents always ask me how can we lock the se- uh, sex programs and other things because inevitably these kids will get to it uh, if you don't censor it or if you don't control Certainly. it. Certainly, I heard actually just last week about a child friendly. Phone that's just arrived in South Africa, yeah, which also it, sounds probably it, the similar thing. No, but our our pack our uh, our pack is just an app, so you can download it on any phone and you can control it. So you can sit on your phone and control your son and you tell him, look, I'm only giving you three hours and which hours do you want? He says that your uh, app will control his time. Your app will control. So he cannot squeal because you've already made a deal with him and he can't cheat because you got it all blocked and locked. <laughs> and now, do you find with um, ADHD? In, in adults and children, that they are inclined to really almost super focus on, on something cyber, on an app or, or a, a game or whatever they're playing on a state PlayStation and yet can't concentrate on, on schoolwork yeah, or, that, or work at work. That's part of the definition of ADG. They, they have difficulty concentrating on things that are difficult and boring like schoolwork and homework. They can spend nine minutes. But they, uh, but things like uh, PlayStation, Game Boy, cell phone and all that, there's an immediate reply, an immediate stimulation. They feel good about it so they can spend about eight, nine hours a day. Whereas they can't even spend nine, ten, min- eight, nine minutes on their homework. It's very boring and difficult. So parents say, no, you can't be ADG. Jesus all day and playing Game Boy and PlayStation even misses his lunch and his supper. Sure. Anything that's exciting, you can hyper-focus. Anything that's boring and difficult, you switch off. So unfortunately, school work is a little boring and difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I see with adults, I, I read that they said that a lot of adults with ADHD and certainly some of them who are not diagnosed, uh, actually go into quite high-risk uh, professions. Some of them also like to work in, in crisis situations. Yes, so right? it's very high among 
this uh, this emergency, the guys who do emergency work or uh, the snipers or these guys that do uh, the plane, fire engine, uh, fire, fire, all of those and, things. Because in a crisis situation, ADG are very cool and calm and they can put everything together. It's only afterwards when they have to do the paperwork and everything is settled, then they crash. They can't do the ordinary basic paperwork. And they have to hand over to someone who's skilled in that. Yeah, so if there's a fire, uh, if there's an accident or a death or something, you'll see the ADG patient usually pacifying others and comforting others, uh, everybody. But afterwards, in a week or two, then they crash. But during the crisis, the, the adrenaline is going and they're feeling good about it and everything is flying and everything is good. Do you think this is why that some of them actually say that they are intuitive, that they have extra intuitive skills? Oh, they definitely, without a doubt. We think out of the box, we think differently, we do things differently, and sometimes uh, we break we break protocol and we head into difficulty uh, with a good heart, not with bad intention, no malicious. It's just that sometimes the car spins off the road and you get into bigger trouble than you intended to, but they have, a heart, they have hearts of gold. They're usually class clowns in school. They're charming, charismatic, and everybody loves them but unfortunately you can uh, sometimes in your impulsivity get into a little difficulty and that is not intentionally so we and have lose yourself along the way quite yes. often I'm sure yes and so going back to this uh, 90% that are not diagnosed, and you said, where are they? Yes, I'm going to trouble you till you finish because I want to explain where are these people. I'm yes, also keen I to would find. like to know okay. where are they. So they are in the substance abuse treatment programs. It's said that uh, 50, 50 to 60% of the ADHD have substance abuse, and many of the substance abuse programs don't spend much time on ADHD. They separate the two. They say it's two different things. Hallowell says when you have ADHD and you're addicted to something, you've got to replace it with something. You can't just say, stop smoking or stop drinking or stop uh, any of the addiction. So the medication increases the chemicals that you need for uh, that is, comes from addiction. In ADHD, as I said, there's a shortage of dopamine, which helps you focus, and the same dopamine works on the pleasure center of the brain, makes you feel lacquer. So Hallowell says that we have a constant need to feel lacquer, or he uses the word itch. You have an itch, and there's a constant need to scratch this itch. So people find different ways to scratch this each and I mentioned earlier chocolate coffee coke red bull drugs alcohol all that stuff uh, increases the dopamine also the no- it increases the norepinephrine too so then you start going to look for this type of thing norepinephrine is the brakes of the Ferrari so when you're impulsive you're flying around you're shouting you're screaming you don't have enough norepinephrine so you need norepinephrine so that you can decrease this impulsivity and that's the brakes so the stimulants block the uptake or the loss of your own natural dopamine and norepinephrine so you have enough dopamine and norepinephrine so it, it, it helps you focus and it helps you curtail this uh, uh, flying around and jumping and hyperactivity so does Ritalin have both of those yeah Ritalin yeah. works on both but we're having a new medication coming into the country in uh, uh, six seven months an amphetamine Vivance that will work on dopamine norepinephrine that's absolutely essential and also work on serotonin serotonin is not totally important but serotonin works on anxiety mm. and the main presentation in adults as I said especially in women in, is anxiety and depression mm. so the new drug will be quite superior the new drug is called Vivance although recently as you asked me earlier they've launched the generic of uh, Concerta so in December they launched a drug called Contramile which is a, a very good drug it's 30% cheaper than Concerta I've got about 160 patients on it and they do, 95% are doing well a few of them said it's a bit weak so we had to change them back to Concerta or a few of them said that uh, they don't like uh, 
the, uh, when it wears off, so we had to increase the dose and it's working. So I'm having great success with Contramine. It's an excellent drug. And as I said, for those that can't afford it or those that are having problems with uh, costs, it is 30% cheaper and hopefully the medical aids will pay for it now. And I'm sh- hopefully the hospitals will put it on their formulary because at 30% mm. discount, it is quite similar in price, I, I think, to Ritalin and Ritalin LA. Then... Uh, after the uh, after the generic was uh, brought out in December, suddenly the originated uh, consider people brought out a clone about uh, a month ago called Nucon, which is twenty percent cheaper. So it's a business, all politics and competing with each other. But uh, we're having great results with Contramile. I'm quite satisfied, and majority of my patients are quite happy with it. So that's Contramile that came out in December, which is it has a different mechanism, the MOPS mechanism, which is a little different from the Oros mechanism, but the success rate is, is the same. And then, the, as I said, they brought out now the Nucon, N-E-U-C-O-N, which is a clone, which is exactly the same box and the same tablet uh, as uh, Concerta, uh, 20% cheaper, because if they want to be in business, they have to come out, come out cheaper. They've but, got to be competitive, <laughs> absolutely. But now the very exciting thing is going to happen in about three, four, five, six months, we're getting Vivens coming in, which is an amphetamine, which were, which is, Vivens is a superior drug. In South Africa, many years ago, they took off Ritalin, I mean, Dexedrine, the short-acting amphetamine was called Dexedrine. They took off the Dexedrine because women were using it in a weight loss clinic, and guys were crushing it and injecting it and snorting it, that's like some people do with Ritalin, whereas the longer-acting like Concerta and Contramine, you can't really do that. So then in the States and Canada, they didn't get, uh, they didn't stop or the, uh, ban the Dexedrine, they made, they changed it to superior, better products. The Dexedrine changed to Adderall, which is about long acting and it was about seven, eight hours. It was an excellent drug. We used it for many years. And then Adderall lost its patency and they made it a bit longer. They made Adderall XR, which is another two hours longer, which is a great drug. And it's an amphetamine, which is a combination of two amphetamine salts. And that lost its patency in a several year, uh, in a recent few years. They brought out a, a new drug called Vivance. Now, Vivance is a L-amphetamine and it's a pro-drug. That means you cannot inject it. You cannot crush it. You cannot snort it. You, you swallow it. It doesn't work until it hits an enzyme in, in the tummy and it releases the clip, releases the clip and then it comes out. So it only works at that level, not through the injecting or snorting. But the great thing about it is number one, it is, um, 14 hours long. Mm. So you can use it the whole day. Whereas, uh, we don't get the full, uh, uh, 12 hours that many, the drug company says that, uh, concerta or contramal get. We get about eight, nine, ten hours. So many uh, matriculants or people who want to study in the afternoon, early evening, we give them this long extended uh, acting twice a day, like contramal or even concerta twice a day with good results. And of course, they would have problems with insomnia and appetite. And many of them are overactive, so they would need some, as Hallowell said, the brakes of the Ferrari. The stimulants help you super focus and retain. Doesn't do the behavior in the brakes. So if you add something for brakes and behavior, which we regularly do, the side effect is sleep and appetite gain. So it balances out. And I out. see that you also said that paradoxically you can use a Ritalin for, for sleep. We're breaking for an ad Thank at you. the moment. Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam, pharmacist to care. 
Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm with Dr. Shabir Jeeva. And actually, his cousin is here. He's just gone out for one moment, Mohammed. So welcome to Mohammed as well. And it's really great being here speaking to you today. I know I'm filling in for Kathy Kayla, but I'm very pleased to be here and meeting you. And we have a message that's just come through. It says, is it not the people surrounding one that contribute to the inability to achieve? The lack of mentorship and pressure to achieve. It's all very well to say that people react negatively, but sometimes people around them are quite frankly awful and unsympathetic. Thank you, Synth. I see that comes from a Synth. Yeah, thank you. That's an interesting question. Uh, There's two parts to it. One is, as you know, there has been a stigma of ADHD for a long, long time. And about... When I was training, uh, or about eight, ten years ago, Hallowell said, you can tell your boss or you tell your future wife or your in-laws that you've got ADHD and that's okay. But now things have changed. He's taking a different stance anymore. He says, instead of telling your boss that you've got ADHD and he'll get upset because he'll think you're lazy or you're stupid or you're crazy or whatever his impression is, tell him I'm good at selling things, I'm good at, I'm not good at doing my, uh, my charts or I'm not good at doing my paperwork and I'll get secretary to help you. But I can do magic in selling and I I can do magic in having thinking out of the box and things. Like that. Tell him your strengths and some of your weakness. Don't sit and tell him you've got ADHD because people are still very negative towards ADHD. So, it, yes, it is the people around you that causes the, cause the problem. What the, about mentorship? Yeah. I'm coming, before the mentorship, uh, last, last time I was here, I said that the kids are brought up in what we call a CDE environment. So they're constantly criticized by the parents. Your marks are not good. You're not doing as well as your cousin or your brother. Criticized, criticized, and they demanded, okay, the next test is on Tuesday. And on Tuesday, I want 80%. There's a demand. And Tuesday night, like real estate agents, they phone you or they ask you, where's the marks? Where's the marks? So constant criticizing, demanding, expecting. And you need a non-criticizing, non-demanding, non-expecting person around you. That includes the parents, the spouses, the girlfriend, the boy, boyfriend, the bosses, anybody around you that deal with you because we are super sensitive to criticism. We'll come to mentorship in a second. Then there's a, Hallowell talked about a condition that's usually uh, missed in the diagnosis. It's called RDS, rejection sensitive dysphoria. Now, he says it happens in 40% of the adults presenting with ADHD. And usually this is not included in the criteria in the diagnosis of, of ADHD, RDS. Rejection sensitive dysphoria. Now the word itself, rejection, is easy. We feel we're going to be rejected. We feel we're going to be betrayed, let down, or cheated by people. So we're constantly on our toes, and we are very sensitive to criticism. Rejection sensitive. So sensitive is we are sensitive to criticism, but and dysphoria causing a sadness. So we overreact. We feel so sad when we are not invited to do a barbecue on Monday, and we're invited to a barbecue on Thursday instead of your friends are invited on Monday. So they purposely don't want to invite me and they don't want me there so I get so upset I get so angry and I got so depressed for a short few days that I constantly feel hurt and criticized they don't like me they don't want me and things uh, like that so I make plans on (laughs) before they could invite me on a Thursday and Friday because they just forgot or they were late or they were lazy before they could invite me in the uh, in the 
that time I decided to go to Durban or I go to Cape Town <laughs> so I, I set myself up I defend myself already and they just they they gave your girlfriend an invitation because they met your girlfriend in the supermarket but they didn't meet you and they wanted to tell you themselves and you said well, you set it up completely that they don't like me and they don't I'm not good enough so it's my own perception it's not the reality you feel people are going to cheat you they're going to let you down they're going to betray you and they don't like you and you you react to it so it's a rejection sensitive dysphoria 40% of the adult ADG present with this we are very very sensitive to criticism we might either get, get anxious or depressed Sorry, Dr. Jeeva, no but problem. would you say that in a way we are our own worst critics then? Yes, but... You know, Rumi, the Sufi poet, says the world is a prison yes. and we are all prisoners. Dig a hole in the prison wall and let yourself out. Wow. Now, is that not what you are actually saying? You yes. know, we... The, we are saying that the world is against us or, you know, as you're saying that if you've got ADHD, that's you're inclined to really be so sensitive to criticism. Highly, and yeah. yet so many people are critical of themselves because they have been put down through school, through life. Into adulthood. Yeah, so uh, I left out the part of mentorship that you repeated. The mentorship is uh, amazingly important, and yes, that's the same thing that we have a coach. So the coach stands on your side, helps you to stay on track. If you fall off the track, they bring you back on track. They wonder, they help you to understand why you're falling off the track all the, all the time. Why can't you stay and stick to it? So they help you. The mentorship is ultra important because you can use what you call the concept of mirroring. You can, they can, you can see how they see you and how they're supposed to see you and where you're falling short and where you're off target. And when you ever you have a difficulty, uh, the latest uh, one of the new treatments is mindfulness in ADHD. Mindfulness is stop, pause, and then you act. Normally, the mnemonic is FAT. When you're frustrated, then you immediately act, and then you think and you feel shitty, lousy. Why the hell did I do that? Why did I fight with this person or that? So they want from FAT, they want you to move the T. Second, then you get frustrated, you pause, you stop, and you think first. Now, okay, why am I upset? Why am I angry? What did she say? What did she do? What did he do? What did he say? And once you work that out, then you act. So you might not act so impulsively like ADHD. So you have a further chance of controlling your impulsivity. So mindfulness training is a form of 10 minutes or uh, short uh, sessions of uh, uh, meditation, which our coach or people who have an interest can teach you and can learn it. It can be used in your office. It can be used in your car. It can be used in your home And it's not long one hour of meditation Where you can't concentrate You can't focus Stop, pause When you first And then you act uh, Instead of being upset And act And then re uh, be remorse Or think about it uh, Later on Why did I do it So the mindfulness Has helped a lot I see you also mentioned um, Last time Dr. Russell Barkley and I see that he he um, suggests a book on breathing skills, and that he says that's it's that uh, gives you unbelievable self focus. Just once again, it's to stop and pause. Yeah. And breathe. The same thing because Russell Barkley is a guru psychologist, world famous. He did a lot of work in ADHD in the DSM-5 and he's a great speaker uh, uh, and he has everything on the website and YouTube and that. And yes, he feels that and he's a very strong proponent about believing uh, that breathing is ultra important. And if you look at most of the yogas and most of the meditation techniques have breathing in it, it's ultra important. Yes. And at the same time, Russell talks, uh, Dr. Barkley talks a lot about exercise, sleep, 
diet, meditation, medication, and the latest thinking in the world about exercise, you have to exercise five times a week, not three times a week, because the impact of five times a week is far different from impact of four times a week. They found that you could exercise five days a week because the exercise increases the dopamine and norepinephrine and serotonin, which is short in ADHD. Five days a week, 30 to 45 minutes, enough to break out a sweat, half cardio and half resistance. So exercise, if you don't have any money and you don't want to have any treatment, you have nothing to do to exercise. Mm-hmm. It's more important than any treatment. The only problem with exercise is if you exercise during the day, the impact is, uh, if you exercise during the afternoon and evening, the impact is two and a half hours. And if you exercise in the morning early, it's four hours. So morning exercise is a choice because it doesn't last all day. Like Jennifer Lopez, she exercises five times a day or dances five times a day. So she doesn't need a medication for if she has ADHD. The exercise brings in the dopamine and norepinephrine because you need it five times a day. Now, that was one of the questions, actually, about someone who said their spouse is an exercise addict. Yes. Runs every marathon, leaves the house early, runs, comes home, spends very little time at home, and then runs again. And she feels it's an addiction. Would you say that this is part of an ADHD symptom? Uh, it looks like it. It could be part of an ADHD symptom. It could be addiction. It's a positive addiction, but it has to be confronted. Although it's great and you're losing weight and you're focusing and you're doing great in that, but we're missing out on you. We are your family. You are not at home. We are like, I'm like a single parent or something like that. Yes. So there's no balance yeah. in it. So the parents should not uh, take away exercise from the kids. Rather take their PlayStation away or take the phone away or something like that, but not exercise. It's very important to try and encourage him as much as they can and exercise. But Hallowell says any, even anything good can be a problem. You're having too many businesses or mm-hmm. too many girlfriends or too much exercise, anything positive in excess is also a problem. Mm-hmm. It's only not the negative things. It becomes negative in, in excess. So Now, when they say also here about the uh, um, mentorship and the pressure to achieve and what have you, what about performance anxiety at school? Could that alone be causing the anxiety, the depression in children, the anxiety, you know, the performance to have to having to perform for the parents, for the school, those high expectations? You you know you know we're living in an era where everybody wants to succeed and be successful, and there's so much of pressure from teachers, parents, uh, society, everywhere. That even only if you come out first or you're going to top ten, you get all these scholarships and that. So unfortunately, that is true. But in performance, uh, in performance anxiety is doing. Uh, it's it's also related to. Uh, what we call social anxiety. In social anxiety, one is perform- performance and one is, one part is performance, one part is interrelationship. So in, in performance, when you think you're going to fail or you're going to feel that people are looking down on you or you're going to be criticized or humiliated, then you get anxious and you collapse and you can't perform. So in those cases, if it's kids and they can't do all this in front of the other kids or study with the other kids, we have special accommodations where we ask the teachers to put them in a separate class or in a right exam in a separate room. And they can also be treated by uh, medication if you need to. If they are ADHD and they are treated with stimulants, the main part of the stimulant is to decrease anxiety. It doesn't increase anxiety. So if they're if, uh, if the ADHD, then more than likely it will decrease that. But they might have, a, uh, as I said, 30 to 45 percent of ADHD kids and adults end up in anxiety. And one of the anxieties is social anxiety. And one part of the social anxiety is performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. So it's all going in the s- same, direction, same direction. direction. But mm-hmm. yes, 
Things are very tough there, especially in South Africa and the matriculants. Unfortunately, it's only one year and one exam. There's so much put on this exam that the kids, uh, they break down very early and they get poor results. And that it would be, be nice if you take it over two years or some other system. I don't know the right system, but there's tremendous amount of uh, pressure on these kids from parents and society. To succeed. Yes, mm. very high. I'm speaking to Dr. Shabir Jeeva, and if you would like to contact us, please do so on SMS 34519 or WhatsApp on 061-895-1019. We're on High FM 101.9. Dr. Jeeva, let's go back to you and I. Oh, jump, I'm sorry, you and I, but I probably need my medication too. <laughs> All right. So I'll make it a bit easier. I'll just take the next little while to what are the adaptive impairments. Number one, unhealthy lifestyles. That's where some of the places where the ADHD found drinking, drugs, uh, getting in jail for prostitution and things like this. So unhealthy lifestyle, drinking, smoking, all the things we have to watch out in those areas. Uh, is, there, is it ADHD or is it just the way they are? Next, financial problems. Now, ADHD know how to make money. They wheel and deal and steal everywhere. They can do magic, but they don't know how to hold on to money because they like nice things. So they buy first class tickets, they buy nice cars, Ferraris, they buy nice suits and everything, and they waste all their money. So they need a wife or a slave or a servant or a secretary or somebody to help them to monitor their money. So a they, butler. yeah, yeah, they, they don't starve. They know how to get a plate of food, but they don't know how to hold on to it. Okay. And then they have work problems, occupation. I'm just reading through the list. They have work problems in the work problems, they'll be fighting with the bosses or they'll be, uh, look, they look lazy, they'll come in late every day and uh, they'll do their own way, own protocol of doing work and they won't follow protocol so they get in trouble with, uh, uh, with the boss or the superiors or uh, uh, with um, uh, anybody in the office. Uh, if they impulsive, they can get into other nonsense in, in relationship and start uh, something in uh, extramarital relationship and things like that because it uh, ADHD is a constant need to feel lacquer, a constant need to scratch the itch. And so even in relationships out of normal, they, it increases dopamine and no, no epinephrine, anything that makes you feel lacquer. So unfortunately, you tend to do that. Very big part is the driving and accidents. So I'm, I'm happy that insurances haven't got to it yet, but ADHD have more accidents and more uh, fines and all sorts of uh, license problems. And of course, they want to start driving at 16. In North America, they do try start getting a license at 16 years, at 18. But you'll see usually the ADHD kids will be driving the parents' car, stealing the car and driving it or <laughs> uncle helping them to drive the car or something. Like that. That's very, okay. Then risky pe- uh, sexual behavior because early parenthood, they are impulsive and they tend to get a bit promiscuous and they forget to use condoms or they forget to do the right things not to get pregnant. So, and STs as well then. Yeah, yes. Uh, and unfortunately then um, uh, that's how it goes. Uh, Craig is telling me that we are going to have to start wrapping up. But um, Dr. Jeeva will be back with me next Monday, unless, uh, otherwise with Kathy, if Kathy's here, because we have so much to talk about. A lot of extra le- uh, questions did come through, have come through, which we have I have not covered, and we've got to go through those. Um, I think 
Overall, what we have to understand is that each person is different and each person yes, is unique. Yes, there's no two ages the same. Absolutely. And I think because of that, we need to start respecting each other and each other's differences and look for each other's strengths. I think that's a very big one. How would you like to end, Dr. Yeah, Chima? thank you very much. There, uh, there is diagnosis. There is treatment, and if you're having difficulty being different from any of your friends, your family, and that, look for the signs and symptoms. If you don't know, find some doctor who has an interest and and one that you like. If your doctor is not so keen on ADHD, then change your doctor for this condition and find somebody else, even a psychologist, anybody, read a book, go on your website, go somewhere, find out the signs and symptoms. And 90% of ADHD are not diagnosed in adulthood. But 95% of the ADHD that, uh, that uh, are in adults are self-diagnosed. So they've already read books and websites and that. So go and find out about these things. Talk to a friend. Talk, look at the books. Look at the website. We have an interesting website. Go on Hallowell's website. Go wherever. Chad. Wherever. Uh, yes, yeah. Chad and all of these websites, please. And there is help. This doesn't mean you have to suffer for the rest of your life. No. And let's give your your website, please www.adhdclinic.jiva G-E-J-J Sorry Oi, Okay, you better start reading it <laughs> www.adhdclinic.jiva Jiva is J-E-E-V-A dot com And um, they can uh, contact you as well I see your email is uh, Jiva 786 at Rogers R-O-G-E-R-S dot com yeah, and uh, uh, Ma- Mandy is going to put this up on the website, uh, the High FM website, which you can go into if you would like to see that. Thanks so much, and thank you very much. Thanks. We'll finish next week a few things and go into your questions. We'll answer them all. Right, we've got <laughs> a lot, and I'm sure a lot more will come through, and um, we will meet again next week. Thank you thank so you much, much, and thank you, Mohammed, for being with your cousin. <laughs>